And so the second part is once they collect all these and they receive all the you know old pods from UPS, they'll actually start debagging. So they'll you know rip off the the top of the pods and start to separate the grounds from the actual aluminum, um, which is step three is the separation. And then the last step is baling, or so the fourth step rather is baling, where they take all the aluminum and they put it into these giant bales. So it, it looks like almost like those crushed cars if you've seen that mm -hmm. um, into like little pallets. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee. And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarin. Hey Jeff, why is there no X in espresso? I think only heathens pronounce it with an X. Today's show, we're talking about Nespresso, a luxury consumer coffee company. Now I'm going to purposely try to say Nespresso. Uh, it just sounds weird. <laughs> no, so as, as Jeff mentioned, Nespresso is a company that manufactures an instant espresso machine as well as some pods that go with the instant espresso machine. These machines primarily use aluminum pods, and it's actually one of my favorite sites to see when you go to a hotel. Um, I always love to see like, a really nice hotel uh, that has a nice Nespresso machine because I know I'm going to have some nice quality coffee the, the next morning. Something that is always like near and dear to my heart is sustainability, and I always think a lot about waste with this. So if you've never used an espresso before, it's essentially a you know small machine, very similar to a Keurig and uh, K cups, where you know you pour water in a little bin, and then you put a cup in, and then you press a button, and it brews a cup of coffee. An espresso is a little bit different, where you can actually brew what's close to espresso. So this. So all of these pods that are being developed uh, can actually contribute to a ton of waste. So I wanted to mm -hmm. do a little deep dive into, hey, you know, how is Nespresso handling all of these like used aluminum coffee pods at the end of the day? Because if you think about it, it's kind of a complex problem to, to solve from a recycling bit because you yeah. have these used coffee grounds in these aluminum coffee pods. I also think it's a very interesting design choice to use aluminum because it's, you know, maybe a little bit heavier to ship. And I'm sure it's much expensive, much more expensive to, to manufacture as well. But Nespresso has a five-step recycling process to handle all of these pods. So the first is collection. They partner with UPS to offer a free recycling program for pods. And Jeff, I know we were talking before the show how you have a bag that Nespresso gave you. Is that yep. correct? Yeah. Yeah. I got it from the Nespresso store. They kind of like, you know, give as many as you need. And when you order them online, um, they'll also give you bags as well. Nice. And so the second part is once they collect all these and they receive all the, you know, old pods from UPS, they'll actually start debagging. So they'll, you know, rip off the the top of the pods and start to separate the grounds from the actual aluminum, um, which is step three is the separation. And then the last step is baling, or so the fourth step rather is baling, where they take all the aluminum and they put it into these giant bales. So it, it looks like almost like those crushed cars, if you've seen that, mm -hmm. um, into like little pallets. And so this aluminum can then be sent to, you know, manufacturers to that make aluminum into usable stock. So there's a really cool story that Nespresso had where they partnered with a Swedish bike manufacturer called Velocity, where they actually created a bike made from over 300 recycled oh, nice. Nespresso pods, which is super cool. You know, it's, it's nice to see this, you know, new life of all these, you know, highly caffeinated people. And now it's, it's, it's a bike. <laughs> so it's a very hipster, you know, virtuous cycle. And then the, the fifth part of the recycling process is composting. So 
Uh, the company that was shown in this YouTube video, Nespresso had, does open air composting. So it's basically just a giant field of just heaps of coffee. And the, and the guy in the YouTube video was saying, hey, like, you know, we actually make different flavors of compost. So if you want to grow oh. it for X or Y yeah. or Z, we'll actually take it from different types of coffee and actually make a whole compost. So then it was oh. massive scale, like picture like, you know, uh, giant dump trucks, you know, moving around a steaming pile of, of compost. <laughs> so it was really cool to see that they are recycling. I think one of the you know things I want to wrap my head around is like how many people like what's the actual efficacy of this like how many people are actually sending in all of these pods mm-hmm. I know you were saying that one of the challenges for you Jeff is like you have like a half filled bag of you know used you know coffee pods right now and like yeah what are you going to do with it how are you going to store it and I think that's something that needs to be figured out and the second part is like you know, what's the carbon impact of just the transportation there I'm sure that's a huge part of the carbon impact of Nespresso is just shipping these pods back and forth. But anyways, I digress. Let's talk about the business model for Nespresso. It's threefold, which it was very surprising to me. I originally just thought of Nespresso as, you know, just selling machines where, you know, it's a tried and true business model where you sell a widget, add a little markup and you get a, um, Mm -hmm. you get the markup. But Nespresso builds and designs and manufactures all these machines. They start at roughly $100 onwards. There's two primary machines that Nespresso makes. They make an original machine. And this type only uses pressure to make shorter coffee. So think, you know, your espressos, your double espressos. And the newer machine is the Vert- Virtuo? Virtuo? I think I've been pronouncing it Virtuo, but, you know, I'm not the expert here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Virtuo lines, uh, which uses both pressure and centrifugal force. So this enables the Virtuo machines to produce longer coffee. So you can actually get up to an 18-ounce carafe full of coffee, which is which is really interesting. I actually didn't know that they were selling these two different types of machines. Um, the second part of Nespresso's business model is actually licensing the technology, which I was surprised to see. I didn't ever think of them as a licensing company. It's a, what they're essentially doing is companies that are more premium, like DeLonghi or, or Breville, they sell like $300 to $500 machines, uh, Nespresso machines rather, um, that use Nespresso's pod technology and Nespresso pods um, and get also get that a little bit of that brand lift as well. I'm really curious to like, I would love to look under the hood of like a conjoint study for Espresso machines, like how much more customers willing to pay for the Nespresso brand name, you know, versus Breville or DeLonghi, because those are already two massive names um, in yeah. the Espresso world. And anyways, like the, the last part of the business model is selling coffee pods. So uh, I didn't actually look up Nespresso's uh, revenue share per stream. And I, I really wish that I did because I, but I have to imagine that, you know, the coffee pod business is probably the most profitable and also mm-hmm. like the, the biggest one for them. But these pods on the consumer side or the retail side rather range from 85 cents to $1.50 per pod. So, you know, add that up to, you know, if you're drinking, you know, a cup of coffee every day, you know, $365 that you're giving to Nespresso versus your $100 machine that you bought. So I have to imagine the lifetime value of a Nespresso machine is, uh, you know, pretty high. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Nespresso actually selling these machines at cost because they know they're going to get their money back from the Nespresso pods. But that is Nespresso in a, in a nutshell. And I'm also very caffeinated today. So I'm going a little extra fast. Not from Nespresso coffee, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need a brand deal here. Um, yeah, I'm happy to talk a little bit about my experience because I recently bought a Nespresso Virtuo machine from Black Friday. Of course, I'm just like the consummate consumer. But let me touch first on the recycling part because that's the part that you mentioned earlier. I think what's really cool is that they do give you a bag or I think in some cases they give you a box and they give them at will and they're pre-marked so that you can just drop them off at 
any, I think it's USPS or sometimes UPS, wherever the carrier is on, uh, on the label, or you can drop them off at the Nespresso store. You know, sometimes if you're close to one, then it's really convenient. You can just drop them off at a bin and they'll take them for you. What Mike mentioned earlier, though, is true where I'm kind of in this weird in-between state where the bag isn't quite full and I'm still drinking coffee to fill that bag. But then I have this like bag of like half used coffee pods that are sitting in my kitchen. So it's kind of awkward. I don't know where to put it because it's like a, a mailing bag. It's not like a trash bag that you can put on a trash bin. So I can't really do that either. It's just kind of this like weird thing right now where I want to be able to do this and not throw them away. And I want to contribute to the recycling effort. And it seems like the more sustainable thing to do. And it's relatively easy for me. Uh, but at the same time, you have this awkwardness of I wish they made this in the shape of a trash bag, basically. Or like, or <laughs> what like kind of bag? What kind of bag is it? Is it like just what you know does those it look like, like you know those like USPS prepaid like mail bags? They're just yeah. like you know yep. they're just kind of like a Manila envelope type size, but maybe a little bit bigger. Um, it's kind of like that. It's pretty big though. So like we've been drinking coffee from the Nespresso machine for I'd say about a month now, and the bag is maybe like halfway full or two-thirds of the way full so it's it's pretty significant um it can hold a lot of pods uh so yeah pretty good overall it's not like you have to like do it all the time or the bag is so small that it's annoying is there a minimum shipping that they have to, or is there a minimum fill level that you have to you know hit before you can ship it or could you ship i don't it? think so i think you can ship it whenever um but the problem is like i don't want to ship it because then i have to go get another bag and like drive to the store but <laughs> I, what i will say is that when you order coffee um they'll give you bags for free although last time i made an online order i forgot to ask for a bag so that's my mm. problem right now it's like i wish i had more bags handy but yeah, overall, like pretty easy to do it. I'm just like nitpicking a little bit about like, you know, I have this bag sitting in my kitchen somewhere and I should be stowing it away and wish I could put it in some other container. Totally. It's a, it's a really interesting problem to solve. And it's, it's not just with coffee pods. I know there's actually a startup company out there called Dispatch Goods that I heard about. And they're mm-hmm. advocating in like the Bay Area for something called the fourth bin. And so like you have like in San Francisco, oh. for example, you have compost, you have trash, you have recycling. And what they want to build is eliminating all single use things. So think like they basically created a container that you can use mm-hmm. for to-go food. And so you basically put your to-go containers out in like the quote unquote fourth bin. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of similar, but it's also in that vein of it's very single use. And you should probably just be using something else if you truly wanted to be a more sustainable product. But yeah. I get the convenience, but... I like that concept, though, of like, hey, the fourth bin of like things that you want to reuse. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I want to talk about the different business revenue streams that you talked about earlier, which is selling machines, licensing, and then selling coffee pods. When I was actually doing some research on Nespresso, I was looking at all these different things. So on the machines, you're right. Typically, Nespresso does sell the machines at cost or at a discount. There's usually some sort of discount on the machines at all times. It's pretty rare that you have to pay full price for them. And that's because, you know, they, they want to get you for the long game, which is buying the coffee. So think of like your, you know, printer and ink model or your razor, razor blade model. And what Nespresso has done is they have fully owned the end-to-end process. So they they control the coffee pod supply pretty well. Whereas like, for example, Keurig, mm-hmm. you can get like a ton of different Keurig pods. You get a lot of choice, which for as a consumer, that's really good. But as a producer, as like the Keurig company, you're like, uh, you know, we don't really know what the quality is like of our, of our pods. Nespresso has reeled that in for the most part. So uh, there's two types of machines that you already mentioned. There's the original and the Virtuo line. The original now has a lot of competitors or a lot of like alternatives that are making Nespresso original compatible pods. Um, and so that's why you can get a lot more flavors for that type of pod. 
However, the Virtuopod still has a patent that's um, proprietary to Nespresso, and that's why nobody can make these like Nespresso Virtuopod alternatives. I think huh. only only Starbucks has a license, so there's some Starbucks lines. What makes it even more difficult is that, um, and this is really smart on the Nespresso side, is that those pods themselves have a barcode on them. And so the machine scans the barcode. Uh, it determines all the settings of the machine, pressure, time, oh, uh, how cool. much water, temperature, etc. Um, and then it, it configures a machine for that particular coffee. So it obviously runs longer for things like uh, crafts. It probably runs at higher pressure, different bars, uh, different speeds for espressos, blah, blah, blah. Um, so you know that you're getting a consistent cup. But again, the problem is it's a high barrier of entry, right? It's really hard to make a competitor when you don't know or you don't have the proprietary technology to match what is scanned from the barcode to what the machine wants to do. They also own the code uh, for what the barcode scans and what it, what it actually maps to. So it's not like you could just like create your own barcode and have it do what you want. You need to know what that barcode actually matches to in terms of the setting. So there's a lot of there's a lot of hurdles to creating like a third party version of the Virtuo pods and Espresso does own that end to end. And that's why it's really difficult to get pods. You actually have to go to an Espresso store or order online. Uh, and because of that, you don't get as much choice and the price, like they kind of like monopolize the pricing a little bit. Totally. I feel like it's a throwback to like our episode three, which was Juicero, which was trying to do the razor blade and printer ink model for <laughs> juicing. Yeah. And they had like similar code built in where you could only squeeze a packet a certain way. But, yeah. you know, that was a whole different nightmare that you should listen to if you're interested in why yeah. it failed. But it's interesting to see that. I didn't know that there was barcodes on the, mm -hmm. you know, the new uh, Virtuo lines. Um, it's definitely, you know, really curious. It, it's not curious, rather. It's like, it makes total sense from a business uh, model perspective. Yeah, from their perspective, it makes a ton of sense. Totally. From, from the consumer perspective, you might be like, oh, I wish that I got, I don't know, name your favorite roaster like in a in a pod that you can use. And that's the problem, right? Like a lot of the big companies are have made Keurig versions, like K-Cup versions, uh, but they haven't been able to do that for an espresso, at least for the Virtuo ones, um, because it's so proprietary. So until they do a little bit more brand deals or partnerships, like like I said, they did it with Starbucks. You won't see as many of those pods. The good news, though, is that they have a pretty large selection of flavors. So mm -hmm. if you go into the store, there's like, at least for the Virtuo line, there's maybe like 30 different types of coffees ranging from espressos, double espressos, Grand Lungos, Altos, Carafes. There's a whole bunch of different sizes for their different coffees. And you get like everything from like really bold and bitter to like really light and sweet. So you get all the different types in between. Just out of curiosity, um, Jeff, like what does the how, how do you make a carafe of Nespresso? I have no is it, clue. <laughs> is it a giant? Is it a giant pod? Like I'm just picturing this like massive, you know, quarter pound aluminum pod <laughs> full for like a carafe. It's in fact so the the pod sizes don't change that much. So like obviously a single espresso is a little bit smaller than like a. I think the biggest pod is the craft pod, and it's like four times the height of coffee. But I think they just need more water, and it's less time and less pressure. So. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest difference, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy how they thought to do this. They also sell like their own like brand espresso craft free to use. You know, obviously, you don't have to use it, but yeah, the whole thing is uh, they they know how to sell every little bit of the experience for sure. Love it. Let's talk about the history of the product. So originally, it was conceived by Eric Favre, who had worked at Nestle in 1975. I was pretty shocked by this. I thought Nespresso was a more recent development because totally. you know the the machines have started entering households in like the past ten years, but it's actually been around for quite a long time. The reason why he thought about this was he noticed a, a local coffee shop and their baristas were 
using like a special piston technique to produce more crema and flavor from the coffee. And that particular uh, coffee shop was really, really popular. So uh, Nespresso has this kind of like signature crema that's on top of their espresso. And for some people, it's off-putting. Like they don't, they're like, this is mm. not traditional. And other people, they really like it. Creates like a layered look. And then like yeah. people like the crema of the coffee and it tastes differently and, and, and stuff like that. So they, there's this whole debate about like how real Nespresso is. And yeah, going <laughs> off on a quick tangent, I was like trying to figure out if Nespresso was really espresso. And basically it depends on who you ask. There's like this espresso institute that has like defined like how many bars of pressure, how much coffee, how much liquid it produces and that's how they define espressos and because of that like nespresso isn't truly an espresso shot there's all these weird things behind it if you're someone who like doesn't care too much about the semantics then nespresso is probably good enough for you um so yeah eric Favre he invented the nespresso system and patented it in 1976 so a year after he kind of thought about this problem a bit more and at the time like the machines were really clunky there's like they're really large they weren't really ready for market um you know, super big, a uh, lot of tubes and pipes, too complex and not size friendly. So it wasn't really ready for market for over a decade. And when I say market, I still even mean like offices and so not even like think about like the <laughs> desktop versions we have now. So Nespresso first tested its concept in Japan um, in 1986 and then rolled it out to other consumers in Switzerland, France, Italy and Japan, etc. Again, like maybe that's why we didn't really see it in the US or realize that this was a thing. Another decade later, so think about like the, the mid 90s. John Paul Gayard, who introduced the Le Club community, I guess it's like this, you know, higher posh community. He provided like a different clientele and kind of transformed both Nespresso and Nestle from kind of like an office machine brand to like a luxury consumer brand. So I think that was kind of like the first time that they started considering bringing Nespresso into the household as this like higher tier luxury item. Nespresso opened their first boutique in Paris in 2000 and then later opened more than 700 boutiques in 68 countries. Those boutiques largely now don't really serve coffee. Some of them do, but they're mostly meant to like sell the pods. <laughs> right. Um, and that's like kind of their main stream of revenue. So Favre and, and Gayard had some disagreements and Favre actually resigned in 1990. And then uh, Gayard left Nestle in 1997 after a falling out with the, the CEO at the time of Nestle, um, Peter Brabeck Letmeth. Gayard had claimed at the time that Nestle had bought the original concept in 1973, which is like a couple years before Favre had the idea, and that the idea didn't come from Favre. And it was like, I think a way to discredit Favre because they had this kind of disagreement and falling out. Although like right. Nespresso came back and were, they had like denied this claim. So I think at that, that time they had like disassociated themselves with, with Gayard and there's all this drama from the leadership. In 2008, Gayard had actually launched a company that sold biodegradable capsules. So something that you might be interested in. Uh, for Nespresso machines, um, which was kind of like a direct competition with Nespresso. That's fascinating. I think there's definitely a ton to unpack there. I think a couple things with like their go-to-market <laughs> that I find super fascinating is they decided to go to Japan, which I think is really interesting. It definitely yeah. feels like a very like, you know, interesting choice. And I, I guess it make, makes sense, you know, just like like when I think of like that market segment of just like being able to, you know, want those like really intricate like interesting like i don't know it just, it just feels i don't know how to explain it i'm sure I think the japanese Jap- japan has I, a word for it but it, it feels like the perfect product for japan yeah i think like they're a country of convenience right like they were the first ones that had like all the vending machines for the specialty foods exactly. they had like more canned coffee earlier uh, than other countries like they they were just kind of like open to this type of uh product i'm actually more surprised that they were able to succeed in in europe where like they're they're probably totally. more coffee purists 
uh, and might have like turned their nose up at like a machine produced coffee <laughs> like this. For sure. I, I see like the convenience of it, like, cause make, making espresso is like pretty involved. Like I have an espresso machine uh, that my wife and I never use <laughs> because it takes so much effort to, right. you know, get the special grounds and then like pack it and then wait for it to like heat up to the right pressure or get, or sorry, get up to the right pressure and heat up as well. And then you make the pull. It's like probably like a 10 minute process versus like Nespresso is like you literally just take a pod, pop it in and then that's it. Yep. Maybe you have to refill the water every once in a while, but yeah, like, that's it. I think like in total from like putting the pot in, letting the water heat up and then pressing the button and having it fill up your cup, it probably takes like two minutes roughly, um, depending on the size of the coffee. But yeah, for like a double espresso this morning, I think it took me like two minutes for the coffee to run. And then they have like another machine for milk frothing. So you can run those simultaneously. But yeah, overall, like you can get a pretty constant cup of coffee consistently in like, you know, two to three minutes. Totally. And I love like the Nespresso like layer of creme at the at the top. I, I didn't realize that that wasn't like a purist thing. Yeah. But I, I love that taste. Like I, that's why like, you know, Adrian and I, my wife and I like love to go to these hotels that have Nespresso and like just like sit there and drink it very like caffeinated and crash yeah. immediately after. But that's great. Um, yeah. Love that. And the second thing I'll say, which leads into like, the next segment for like who Nespresso is for is I think it was super strategic how Nespresso, you know, changed from going from office machines to a luxury consumer brand and just mm-hmm. like simple positioning of who you're going after and how you're marketing your product has a huge impact on the business and was able to turn this around, you know, instead of being like this, you know, machine that's only like for like office workers, it's like, no, it's like high end and luxury for, you know, customers that want the finest coffee, like in their homes. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that's like, it's definitely not subtle, but it's like uh straightforward per se you know it's like straightforward change and has a huge impact on the business um so yeah sorry typo to set the stage coffee drinkers are very prevalent in the u.s to give you a sense of the scale of how much coffee is being drank in the u.s so the u.s consumes roughly 26.7 million big bags of coffee and what is a big bag of coffee jeff uh a big bag of coffee (laughs) is a 60 kilogram a roughly 130 pound bag of coffee. So if you've ever gone to like a coffee roaster, you see those big burlap sacks mm-hmm. on the walls. Like that's a big bag of coffee. I don't think big bag of coffee is a technical term. That's what <laughs> I can, that's all I can think of when I, <laughs> I see a 60 kilogram bag because it's giant. Um, and so I was like trying to contextualize this and, <laughs> uh, you know, I thought like, you know, 130 pounds is like roughly, like roughly the size of a, you know, a woman. Um, but that's basically 27 million women like just like standing there like that's like yeah if you can you picture that I, I still can't even like you know quantify or like visualize 27 million women standing like anyway like in, in a state but like whatever it's a lot of coffee that's being drank and i think america it's it's funny to see where like caffeine and alcohol are like the two drugs that are just absolutely legal and like talked about everywhere like in the u.s but the customer segment for Nespresso is those who like espresso coffee. So those 27 million pounds or 27 million big bags of coffee that are being drank, I'm not sure how, how many are specifically espresso drinkers, but it's definitely the more premium market. So looking at 
the convenience factor is, is how I wanted to look at this. So Statista, one of my favorite websites that I mentioned a lot on the show is they did a study for the share of US consumers who own a single cup coffee brewing system. Mm, and there's been a ton of growth in this. So in 2005, which is the earliest data that they had, only 1% of the population in the US had a single use or single cup coffee brewing system. So think Nespresso or a K-cup or Keurig machine rather. And then it peaked in 2019 to 42% of um, all US households. So basically like one out of every other household had a single mm. single use K-cup. So I don't know how many specifically were Nespresso or um, Keurig. I have to imagine just like going to the supermarket and seeing the giant wall of Keurig cups. It's probably the majority of those right. are, you know, yeah. Keurig machines, but it's definitely a huge market in the US. And so whatever the luxury segment of that is, you can think of as Nespresso. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting and surprising that, you know, basically half of American households have single cup coffee brewing systems. That's way more prevalent than I thought. Yeah. And I was trying to contextualize what 60 kilograms of coffee is. So, you know, just doing some rough head math, there's 27, we'll just round up to 30 million big bags of coffee consumed in the US per year. And there's 300 million US citizens or people in the US. Uh, so that's roughly about a 10th of that big uh, bag of coffee, which is six kilograms per person. If you're not a, a metrics unit kind of person, then that's roughly about 12 pounds of coffee per person a year, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a lot of coffee. And, you know, if you think to yourself, I don't really drink that much coffee, then that means there's somebody elsewhere that's drinking your portion of coffee. Oh, yeah. uh, per that year. is me and, for sure. Yeah. So um, that just kind of puts things into perspective. We are highly, highly addicted to caffeine and coffee as a, as a country. Um, let's talk about the competitors. So I think what's really strange here is that uh, there's this ecosystem is kind of in this weird wild west of like standardization. There's the ethical coffee company, which was founded by Gayard called the ECC. And they're making these, you know, Nespresso um, compatible coffee pods. I'd imagine that this is only for the Nespresso originals because no one can really make third party versions of the Nespresso Virtua line. But yeah, his his coffee pods are meant to be biodegradable. There's Keurig, which we talked about, which I'd say dominates the market and has a lot of these like K-cup providers. There's smaller companies like Lavazza, who makes their own machines, I believe, and pods. Or I can't remember if they actually use Nespresso pods as well. And there's Illy, um, which you may have seen. They have pre-made coffees, like, you know, typically you'll find them at gas stations or whatever that are just, you know, single, oh, yeah. single yeah. use coffees. They have their own storefronts as well where you can go get the coffees. And then there's also soft pods, which I'd never heard of before. It's like a tea bag that you can like put into a machine and I guess just like run water through. It sounds like these soft pods are supported by like Hamilton Beach and Black & Decker. So I'd imagine it's like the lower end of the, yeah. <laughs> the consumer coffee. And then maybe that's why I've never heard of it before. It's exactly. probably easier to just like grind your own coffee and make, uh, you know, pots of coffee instead. It's like maybe not worth doing the soft pod approach. But yeah, yeah there's just, like just the way you framed it. I was like, yeah, I've never heard of this. And it makes <laughs> sense that it's owned by Black & Decker or Hamilton, Hamilton Beach. Beach. Yeah, yeah. If you're a, you know, single pot coffee kind of person, drip coffee, I'm not trying to <laughs> trash you here, but yeah, th those are meant to be, you know, consumer friendly or, or wallet friendly. Um, let's talk about our thoughts, Mike. Um, I'm happy to start because I just bought an espresso machine and kind of gone through this whole experience. Yeah. I think overall, um, what I really like about Nespresso is that it does produce a consistent cup of coffee. The machine is relatively affordable. Um, and I can make lattes every morning and the way I like them every morning. I'm not a coffee snob. So I think that if you are really into coffee and want to get into the weeds of like 
pulling your own espresso shots, getting into the science of the pressure and the temperature and what kind of grinds and all the other things. And this isn't necessarily for you, but if you're just looking for like a quick two or three minute fix and you want a pretty good solid cup of coffee, um, Nespresso is a really great solution for you. What I will say is that it's not expensive, but it's also not cheap, right? I think mm-hmm. if you were to go to Starbucks every day and get a $5 cup of coffee or go to your local coffee shop every day, they're going to produce probably better coffee, but at a price, right? You're looking at probably like 6 or $7 for a latte or something like that. Um, at least in the Bay Area. So See, even around here, it's it's mind blowing to me. Like I thought, like when I moved back to Rochester, that I'm like, oh yeah, like four, like it's, like a mocha yeah. is like four bucks. I'm like yeah. paying like seven dollars. Like after exactly. my tip, I'm like, this is an expensive habit, and maybe yeah. I should get an espresso machine. Yeah, exactly. So as Mike mentioned earlier, it's like roughly about a dollar um, per pod. So for my wife and I, it's about two dollars per day. It's still not cheap. Like a sixty dollar subscription, as you would imagine, like. Imagine you're paying $60 for Netflix or something like that. It's it's pretty pricey, but it's still cheaper than than going out to coffee shops. And we still enjoy coffee shops, you know, on the weekends and stuff like that. So I'd say that's overall pretty good. What I will say is kind of annoying about Nespresso is that because they are really controlling their uh, pod product, it's hard to find alternatives. Like if I wanted to go to a local brewery or roastery and get their version of coffee or even like pack in my own mm-hmm. um uh nespresso cup i can't do that um or it's really difficult to do that so because of that that's like super annoying and i have to drink nespresso coffee so if you like your own coffee or you like a particular kind of coffee nespresso is also not for you you'd probably go towards the home espresso machine route instead and like ordering isn't super easy you have to order online or go to their store it's not like you can i mean you can buy them on amazon and stuff but it never really goes on sale like they, they really really right. tightly control the the pricing of their pods. So that can also get annoying. But at least a good thing is that they have some pretty good options for you. And after some trial and error, I found a couple different types of coffee and flavors that Nespresso's um, put out that are pretty good. So overall, I'll give it like a 4.3. I think if there was a larger ecosystem for coffee providers, I would really, really enjoy Nespresso and would bump it up to like a 4.7, 4.8. The machine's Whoa. great. That's a I rave think, review right there, Jeff. Yeah. It was, it was very casual. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, but they're not there yet. So I would say like, you know, right now where they're at, if they were to open it up to more people, I would definitely bump it up. But otherwise, coffee is great, consistent. It's price controlled. I do wish there were more options, but, you know, overall pretty good. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And, you know, I think that I could review this a couple different ways. Like overall for like coffee drinking, like I don't use Nespresso. Like I love the idea of, sustainability and you know i just don't see like one single use like anything as as a way Mm -hmm. for you know me to achieve that so i still like brew like a pot of coffee and also you know my wife and i drink a lot a lot of coffee we're very addicted to coffee um (laughs) so you know one pod of nespresso wouldn't be enough for us to get through the day so Mm -hmm. i think she drinks like a cup a day and i'm probably the addicted one that drinks like two cups a day (laughs) so like (laughs) but i love like brewing coffee so like we have like our you know 16 or not 16 cup brewing geez that'd be a lot of coffee we have like you know our, our 10 cup coffee pot we have a smeg coffee maker and then also like a french press for like the weekends mm-hmm. and as well as i have a cold brew coffee maker which i love which is like also makes jet fuel it's condensed coffee so yeah be, care- be careful like out there for anyone that's making cold brew coffee but i have to say i really love nespresso i love the taste of it i love the convenience of it 
but it's only it's kind of a special treat you know like if i'm going mm-hmm. to a hotel where like everything's single use it's like okay fine like that's that's a place where i can get down with where it's it's fine if i use like nespresso and i actually look forward to it. like as i mentioned like in the start of the show like you know when i you know crack open the hotel room and i'm like oh there's an espresso here like i get pumped i'm like this is gonna be awesome you know like i'll have like a nice <laughs> nespresso either right before the shower, like right after the shower, maybe both, you know, maybe it's a special day. Shower coffee? That sounds miserable. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's an espresso, so you can have it like really quick right before the shower. So like a pre-shower coffee so and a post-shower. you sweating in your shower. <laughs> exactly. I like really warm showers. No, but like I, I love that whole experience. So like, you know, just reviewing it as like for what it is, which is a single cup brewing system. I think it's great. I think it has really great product market fit. They found the luxury end of the segment. Pricing, like you mentioned, is really rough because you're paying, you know, a dollar per cup of coffee. But then when you start comparing it against like latte, you know, it's like a dollar versus seven dollars. So I'm going to give this a 4.0. It doesn't meet that bar for me to want to go out and buy one. Although like I'm, I've been very close on numerous <laughs> occasions, but I, I think I'm going to stick to the, you know, the big pots of coffee, especially because I, you know, love going to these local coffee shops, buying the lightest roast I can find, um, and then finding different ways to brew it at home. So yeah, four stars for me. Yeah, really love this episode though, because I've been wanting to, you know, dive into Nespresso and learn all about the the history, especially all the, <laughs> you know, the bad blood with the patents. A lot and of all bickering, that. yeah. No, they're just totally. like highly caffeinated people. They're like angry at each other for some reason. Super uh, jittery, <laughs> super anxious. <laughs> totally. I'm just imagining it like like basically like the caricature of like, you know, the Italian, like just like, oh, yeah, da, 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 like just yelling, <laughs> like yelling back and forth in like the boardroom of an espresso of like, it's my patent, it's not yours. Cool, man. Well, those are our thoughts on Nespresso. We'd love to hear from your audience. So we absolutely love when our friends and listeners reach out to us on our Instagram handle or Twitter handle. Definitely keep continuing to share with us. Um, you can find us at ProdX Podcast. That's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast. Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. And let us know what products we should review next. See you next episode.